podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome back to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. If you are a returning listener, welcome back, my friend. Glad to have you join me again as we talk about some more interesting topics. If you are new to Phoenix and Flame, welcome aboard. Welcome to our community. And I hope you will gain something from this episode that you will be able to apply to your life to make your life better. Something that you might want to share with others. Um, So... A couple of episodes ago, I think it was episode 18, I was talking about uh, planting seeds. Um, We were talking about if you try to plant seeds for your life and what can happen to those seeds. Um, Weeds and um, birds and insufficient soil and all kinds of interesting things that would prevent the seeds from taking root and getting the right amount of nutrition and water and being able to grow into something wonderful. And I had a, a listener to communicate with me. And by the way, any listener is more than welcome to do that. If you have a, a thought or a challenge or a question from anything that I present in any of my episodes, um, you can just go to phoenixandflame.com and click on the Contact Me tab, and that'll come right through to my email. But this listener said, um, what if you're afraid to be planted? And she had been through some pretty terrible things in her life, and she referenced a book that I didn't even know existed. Um, I was thankful to her for sharing with me her perception um, and also the book. And it's called The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted. And the author is Anthony DiStefano, spelled D-E-S-T-E-F-A-N-O. And I will put that um, in the show notes. And I thought that was an interesting question. And so I read the book, The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted, and it was basically about a seed who was in a drawer and was living on a farm where a farmer would come in periodically and grab various seeds and take them out to plant them. And this particular seed was scared to death that the farmer one day was going to walk in and, and grab it and remove it from its drawer. And one day the farmer did. Um, The farmer came in and got the seed and planted it in dirt where it was dark. (laughs) Anyway, it's a really, it's a great book. Um, It's kind of like a child's book. Um, It's very wonderfully illustrated. Um, On the the cover it says it's illustrated by Erwin Madrid. Um, Erwin did a fabulous job. It really helps to tell the story. And so I got to thinking about my listener's question and thinking, well, 
what does help us to face and overcome these fears? You know, some of the fears that were um, mentioned in, in the book that this little seed had. And what if, what if we see ourselves as a seed or there's a seed in our life and we're afraid of planting it? Um, I, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's an excellent question. And three behavioral responses, and they're really mindsets, actually, but they, they end up being behavioral responses, as our mindsets almost always do. And the three words were resiliency, grit, and anti-fragility. And I'd like to take just a, a few moments to talk about those three concepts and how we might be able to help those to grow in our lives so that we can allow seeds to be planted and to grow into wonderful things in our lives. So I just did kind of, I've got some information, just a general Google definition for resilience, um, like the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Um, Psychology Today says, quote, the psychological quality that allows some people to be knocked down by the adversities of life and come back at least as strong as before. There's a a website called fosteringresilience.com and it mentions the seven C's of resilience. These C's that they mentioned were competence, confidence, connection, character, contribution, coping, and control. And I'm not going to go into all of those seven C's of resilience, but basically what they were postulating was that young people, and and I would say anyone in life, um, in order to foster resilience would need to have an opportunity to develop these seven C's, to have opportunities to be competent which, you know, which means you have to accept mistakes. And I've talked about this before in prior episodes. Some people are so terrified of making a mistake that they just stay shivering on the bench for the majority of their life. In order for you to experience competence, you are first going to have to experience failure, which I do not view that as a bad word at all. Failure is simply learning what doesn't work. And so having an opportunity to experience competence, same way with confidence, I think those two are very similar. You're not going to develop confidence unless you're willing to kind of put yourself out there a little bit and fall on your face some. Um, And I've mentioned this before too, being able to deal with other people, ridiculing you, not understanding you, not agreeing with you and going forward anyway, being confident in yourself and your own choices and not waiting for everybody else to approve of what you're doing. Because honestly, if you're waiting for that, you're going to wait a very, very long time. The third C, connection, uh, they pointed out just, and I agree, 
being in a position where you can have good people in your life. And I did mention that in episode 18 about the, uh, the weeds and the seeds and that type of thing. Figuring out who's around you. Are they helping you to grow or are they dragging you down? And then character, you know, opportunities to, to kind of be, have, have some integrity about yourself to do the right thing. And again, if you're around people that do not have much integrity, then you're not likely going to have many opportunities to de- develop that yourself. Um, in that <laughs> in that case, it, it kind of reminds me, I don't know how many listeners have heard of the crab bucket story, but the crab bucket story is there was a man walking along the shore and he saw someone who was bringing in some crabs and putting them in a bucket and the fisherman did not have a lid on the bucket and the 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 person who was walking along said why don't they're all going to crawl out why don't you put a lid on that bucket and the fisherman said no they won't crawl out anywhere because if one crab tries to crawl out of the bucket to try to, you could imagine metaphorically, better itself to escape, so to say, the others will just pull it back down into the bucket. <laughs> I thought, wow, okay, is that not true? I'm sure most of us could attest to a situation here or there where we've experienced something like that. So get away from the crabs that are pulling you down into the bucket. Uh, they mentioned contribution, um, volunteering, basically, Um, being more focused at times on someone else's needs other than your own. I would absolutely 100% agree with that. Uh, Developing coping skills, which I'm going to mention some more of those in some future episodes. And also control, having having a sense of control in your life. So that's a little bit about resilience. So let's skip over to grit. You just got to love that word, grit. You about don't even have to know technically what it means to just know what it means just by how it sounds. That term grit uh, was coined by a psychologist, and her name was Angela Duckworth. And the definition was, quote, sticking with your future day in, day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years, and working really hard to make that future a reality, end quote. So I started looking around online for some different uh, takes, different vantage points on this grit concept. And I found a website from the South African College of Applied Psychology that listed five common characteristics of grit that I found helpful and interesting. One of them was courage, which we know you cannot have courage without fear. Courage is the overcoming of fear. It's not the absence of fear. You cannot have courage without fear. So if you have fear in your life, that's okay. Courage is the overcoming of fear. And quite frankly, I don't know of any adult out there who has not experienced at least a moderate amount of fear in their life, some more than others. Another thing that it mentioned was conscientiousness, doing the right thing, being being on top of it. Um, Perseverance was the third one. 
And there was a, a quote that was listed from Winston Churchill who said, quote, when you are going through hell, keep going, <laughs> end quote. I thought that was a wonderful quote. When you are going through hell, keep going. The uh, next um, characteristic was resilience, which we have just gone through. And the last one was passion. And it was described as passion creates excellence when mediocrity will do. I liked that a lot. Passion creates excellence when mediocrity will do. And then the last concept I especially like. I liked it so much that I put uh, the definition of it on my Phoenix and Flame website. Um, again, which is just phoenixandflame.com. And it's anti-fragility. So the definition I'll read to you is, and this comes, the, the, the person who developed this concept of anti-fragility is Nassim Taleb. Um, I will spell this, N-A-S-S-I-M-T-A-L-E-B. It's a fantastic concept. And if you go to his website, um, Nassim Taleb, a definition of anti-fragile and its implications online, you will see that the definition is this. And it, it takes a moment, so just, just listen. Some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors, and love, adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet, in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there is no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Let us call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. Hmm, you've got to love that. The anti-fragile gets better, gets tougher, gets stronger. Think of the hydra, okay? So you cut one head off of a hydra, and what happens? It just doesn't stay cut off. It doesn't grow one back. So it's just the same as it was before, as if you never cut the head off. No, you cut the head off a hydra, it grows two back. And that is a wonderful concept that I would like for all of us to consider that we have the ability to develop, that as we go through really hard things, we have the potential for becoming even stronger, even tougher than before. But as far as I'm concerned, the obvious question becomes, well, Dana, this is all great, sounds wonderful, but how does a person develop these traits? I was reminded of a quote from uh, the 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, and he said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I actually 
um, have seen that go both ways. Being a therapist, I'm in a, a position to be able to walk with people and witness people respond to things that maybe should have killed them, certainly should have knocked them to their knees emotionally and mentally. And I have seen people come out stronger. And I've also seen people just become almost mentally and emotionally annihilated, becoming much weaker and much more full of fear of having to go through something similarly in the future. And so, yes, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It can. I don't think it always does. So then how do we develop this resiliency, this grit, this anti-fragility, instead of hiding in the drawer like the seed who was afraid to be planted? Well, you know, I started thinking about this, and I thought one thing we could do is we could consider reevaluating our social connections, our people. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, whoever, uh, whatever listeners out there also watch Grey's Anatomy. Um, love that. Love Grey's Anatomy. And uh, there are two characters on that show, Meredith and uh, Christina Yang. And for the longest time, especially in the earlier episodes, you know, they, were, they would call each other, you're my person, when they would go through something really harsh and they were struggling mightily and didn't really know how they were going to overcome it, they would seek each other out and they would say, because you're my person. And so we all have some of these people in our lives. Well, I don't want to say we all have. I tend not to use those, uh, those types of statements that cannot be proven when you say all and none and everyone and no one. Those are naturally kind of a irrational type terms that I try to avoid. So let me back up and say most people have a person in their life or people in their life. And I think it's definitely worth evaluating. Are these people lifting us up? Are they encouraging us? Are they listening to us when we need to ventilate? Um, are they understanding even if they don't agree? Do they extend non-judgmental environments? Or are they pulling us down? Are they full of their own issues? And sometimes people do this, and it's not that they really intend any meanness by it. I find a lot of the time people don't intend any malicious, um, well, malicious intent. They don't really have that. It just sort of happens because that they're struggling. They're struggling with their own issues that they haven't overcome. And so it, it extends out into those around them. Well, you know, if you have some of these individuals around you, then you'll have to decide if their issues are extending into your life to the point where they are preventing you from developing resiliency and grit and anti-fragility. If they're keeping you pulled down and afraid and scared because of their own issues, then maybe you might want to consider setting some healthier boundaries. Um, and again, for those who have listened to my episodes before, you know I am a strong supporter of being non-judgmental. 
just accepting people um, for who they are, but also setting boundaries because just because you're not judging someone doesn't mean that what they're doing is something that you want in your life. And at the end of the day, there's only one person responsible for keeping you and your life together. That's you. And so sometimes we have to set boundaries about how much we are going to allow other people to be involved in our life. We can still care about them and wish them well, but set boundaries. Um, These people that we're talking about that we're evaluating that are in our life, do they behave like friends or do they actually behave like enemies? I've talked to quite a few people that once they started describing the behavioral patterns of these people they called friends, I really couldn't find the difference between how their friends, quote unquote, were behaving versus how an enemy would behave. So sometimes it takes uh, just some stepping back and reviewing and evaluating your relationships. Who is in your life? And maybe you need to set some healthier boundaries there. Something else to consider is a realization that your future doesn't have to be like your past. It's kind of a deal that I have with my patients sometimes when they say, well, I am this way. Or I've always, you know, I've been a people pleaser, so that's just who I am. And I challenge that. I usually make most of them say, okay, okay, we're going to have a verb tense change here. I will accept you saying, I have always been a people pleaser. But I will not accept you sitting there saying, I am one and I will continue to be one. Because if that's what you decide, you're wasting your time here in my office. And so it's worth noting that even though we've had a long history of something in our past, we are not necessarily relegated to continue enacting that in our life. You may need some therapy. You may need someone to come alongside you to help you. Sometimes we get to a point where we can kind of uh, get ourselves on a, on a different track, you know, reach out to some friends. And if you have good friends that are good listeners and good helpers, and that might help you get yourself on a better track. And sometimes it's just kind of a situation where you just need a therapist. And if that's the case, find one. Um, there might be some old trauma that's preventing you from really breaking loose and being healthier. And a therapist can help you with that. You can also learn some new coping skills. I've always said that therapy is a lot like reparenting, where, to be honest with you, a lot of us survive childhood. And nobody's childhood is all good or all bad. Well, most people's, I'm just saying. Um, But... You know, we are all faulty human beings, and our parents were faulty human beings, you know, and they were raised by faulty human beings. And so sometimes we get to a place in our life where we just need to reevaluate some things and sort of reparent ourselves into the person we would like to be. And again, a therapist can help in that process. A third thing to consider um, is, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, developing healthy coping strategies. I'm going to be covering some of that in some upcoming episodes, but just because you don't know how to deal with something right now doesn't mean there is no way to deal with it. All it means is that you don't know how right now. 
that's all. And if you can't figure it out, that's no problem. Reach out and find a therapist. Find someone who can help you do that. Another thing to consider is sometimes we need to take some calculated chances. You know, if we're going to try to develop resiliency, grit, or anti-fragility in our lives, we're not going to be able to do that unless we're willing to reach out a little bit. Take some calculated chances. View them as opportunities. And accept the mistakes that you are going to make as learning tools to develop more confidence. I don't know anyone who would be able to develop resiliency, grit, or anti-fragility without first going through some harsh times. Maybe feeling like they've been figuratively shoved down on the ground. Um, And it's the learning to get back up. It's how you become stronger as you get back up. That's what develops the resiliency, the grit, and the anti-fragility. It's that when you finally get back up, how, how strong you are. You're stronger than you were when you were first shoved down. And the last thing I just want to kind of toss in here, for me, and that's all I can say, and I've said this before, um, this is my podcast, and so I will periodically throw in things that are about just me. Um, this is a, a role of faith in my life has helped me to develop resiliency and grit and anti-fragility because my faith is in God and not other people. And so I reach out to him because he will always be the same. He is my rock. He is my safe place. He is my shield, my fortress. I don't really trust necessarily other people sometimes. I don't trust myself sometimes. And so when I feel like I've been shoved to my knees, I reach out. I reach out to God. And I remember the scriptures that say that he knew me before I was born, that he knit me together in my mother's womb, that there's a plan that he created for my life, that all of my days were ordained before one of them came to be, and that he is going to be with me, never leaving me, never forsaking me, strengthening me, helping me to become more and more into the likeness of Christ. That as each day passes, my prayers that I will become stronger because he will rise in me. He will increase. His Holy Spirit within me will increase. And I, my sinful, weak nature, will decrease. And so that is something that no one else can ever take away from me. It belongs to me, and I trust God to help me through these things. So for me, personally, my faith has been a very helpful and strong platform as I have gone through different things in my life. To be honest, if I felt like I had to put all of my confidence in other people to be there, 
to not judge, to not criticize, to be encouraging and to be understanding, then I'd be shit out of luck because people are people. Everybody's got their own stuff going on. But for me, having faith puts me in a position where I don't have to rely on other people in those times. And that has helped me to develop skills necessary within myself to be resilient, to have grit, and to be anti-fragile, to come out better than I was going into some type of a trial, to be stronger because of the trial. And that's something else that the scriptures talk about is that God does purposefully allow us to go through things that at the time feel like shit, to be honest. And we don't know how long they're going to last. And we hate that. I've, I've said I hate that. I, I've said I'd like to have a blueprint to be able to look and see and approve. But then if I had it, I'd probably be scared to death knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> so as much as we say we would like to know what's going to happen, we really don't. And that's not the best thing. It's better to be in the moment. And I've got other episodes about that as well. But anyway, I hope that this episode on resiliency, grit, and anti-fragility, and how to possibly develop those, those characteristics has been helpful to you. Um, if it has, I would really appreciate it if you would share it, however you do your sharing. If you, you have a social media platform you prefer, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever the case may be, that someone else might be able to benefit from this. And the podcasts are all on uh, phoenixandflame.com as well. So I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And again, this is Dana Skaggs on Phoenix and Flame.